I'd love to pray with you as we look at this for a few minutes together. So would you, would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you for tonight. Thanks for bringing us here. And we just pray that you would focus our attention on what you're saying to us. We pray that you'd speak to us in power tonight, that we might go away transformed and just so aware of the relationship you want to have with us through Jesus. And we pray it in his name. Amen. When I was in my last year of uni studying journalism, I got an internship at a business and finance news station and went in there to this cable TV news station and I was trying to learn the ropes of journalism through those people there. The reality was that I had no idea what they were talking about. I don't understand the world of business and finance very much, even still to today. I don't really get it even more so back then. So it was like they were speaking a, a foreign language to me. Now, that didn't really matter most of the time because I was able to just learn the techniques of what they were doing, see the, the processes of how they made the news. And on a few occasions, we got to go down into the CBD in Sydney, up some of the big towers right down near Darling Harbour there, to the top floor where the CEO was, and we got to interview these CEOs of these big companies in Sydney. And I was a living example of someone who was out of their depth, let me say. Uh, I didn't know what they were talking about, what they were doing. The sole reason I was able to be in those places with those powerful people with the amazing views of Sydney Harbour and all the individually wrapped Mentos in the bowls the, the reason I could be there was because of the credentials of the team that I was with, because of their press pass, because of their training, because of their expertise. I was allowed to be in that exclusive environment. I want to ask you tonight, as you think about prayer, as you think about speaking to the God of the universe, the one who's made all things, the one who made you, who gives you the breath you're breathing right now, as you think about speaking to him, praying, how do you feel about that? Do you feel maybe like you're a little bit out of your depth? Do you feel maybe like God doesn't really want to hear from you? Do you feel like you're a bit uncertain and a bit unsure about being before him? I want to say if that is you join the club. I think many Christians would feel like that, uh, if not all the time, at least some of the time. But tonight, what I want you to see, what I hope that you get out of this uh, study tonight in, in mainly Hebrews chapter 4, which we've had read for us, what, what I want you to grasp tonight, what I want your heart to hang on to, is the fact that we can come to God freely with confidence because of uh, something very powerful. I, I want to talk about two things tonight. Number one, this powerful thing, this foundational thing for your prayer life, which is that we must hold on to the confession we have about Jesus. That, that is something that will absolutely transform your prayer life if you get a hold of that tonight. The confession about Jesus. We'll talk more about that. And the second thing is this, that because we have what Jesus has done, because we have him, we now have bold access to God. 
bold, confident access to the Father in heaven who made us, who loves us, who gave his son for us. So that's what we're going to look at tonight over the next few minutes, just those two points. And number one is this. We have to hang on to the confession about Jesus. Now, when I say confession, I'm not talking about confessing your sins, which we're going to do a little bit later uh, in a a corporate confession. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about what the book of Hebrews means by the word confession, which is this. It's, It's the truth revealed about Jesus to us in that book of the Bible. And there are a number of times when, when this word confession is used in Hebrews. And you can see one of them in chapter 4, verse 14, which we've, we've read, that Jesus is our priest. Let's look at it. If you've got your Bible there, Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, it starts like this. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to the confession. Let us hold fast to the confession. One of the themes of the book of Hebrews is that things move from the old covenant into the new covenant from B.C. to A.D., that 2,000 years ago there was this profound dividing line in history where God changed the way that he dealt with this world and that we've moved from the shadow to the reality of how God is dealing with the people of this world. There's a number of shadows, the, the shadow of Uh, The tabernacle and the temple, the place where people met with God, has now been fulfilled in the coming of Jesus, who is the new place where we meet with God, where we can have a relationship with him. He is the new tabernacle. He is the new temple. And he is how we meet with God now. There's the uh, sacrificial system in the Old Testament where the blood of animals was spilt Uh, before they were eaten, and the the blood signified that the people needed cleansing before God. And that sacrificial system has been fulfilled in the sacrifice of Jesus at the cross. And there's also another one, which is that there was a priesthood in the Old Testament who ministered in the tabernacle, in the, the, the tent, in the temple eventually, And they stood between God and the people and they ministered these sacrifices on the people's behalf as their mediator and they stood before God. And that system has been replaced by Jesus who is the ultimate sacrifice, the ultimate high priest who offers himself to the Father on behalf of uh, the people. And notice the description of Jesus in verse 14. He's called Jesus and he's called the Son of God. In the opening chapters, the book of Hebrew points us to the divinity of God's Son, that he is far above the angels, the the highest spiritual beings you can think of. Jesus is above even them in his name and in who he is. And he's also called the man Jesus Christ. See verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tested in every way as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus, the divine son of God, who's higher in name and rank than the angels, 
is also the man who took on human flesh, who was tempted in the way that we are, who suffered in the way that we do, who uh, was was struggling with his emotions and, and his life, the way that we do in this world. He had disappointments and setbacks and griefs and tragedies in his life. He took on our flesh, but see the end of the verse, verse 15 there, yet without sin. So the human man from Nazareth is the divine son of God, the exalted Son of God, and He is the one who is our priest now before God. He's the one who stands in for us before God. Now, if the journalist that I was with in the CBD, you know, if, 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 if they had been proven to be a fraud, if they didn't have a real press pass, then we could have all been thrown out of the building. But because they were legitimate, because they were real, then I could stay with them because they were going there on my behalf and, and I could go with them. Now, someone might ask me, well, Josh, I thought we were talking about prayer tonight. Why are you talking so much about Jesus and, and the gospel? Why don't we get onto some practical stuff about how to improve our prayer life uh, tonight? Well, I want to say this, approaching God must begin with Jesus. That is how we come to approach God. We come because of who he is, the person that he is, God's son, the man in human flesh. We come because what he's done, he gave his life as a sacrifice for our sin. We come because of what he still does, that he stands in as our priest before the Father and he brings us uh, to his Father. And it is so important, we must start with Jesus. The Christian life starts and ends with Jesus. It doesn't start and end with us. You see, if you put yourself first, and if you think, what can I do to have a better prayer life? What can I do to have a better Christian life? Do you know what you'll end up doing? You'll end up being on this treadmill of works, and one of two things will happen. One, you will become proud if you think you're doing really well. Or on the other hand, you'll become very disappointed and ashamed if you think you're doing badly. We need to start with Jesus, the one who goes in our place before the Father, and it's him who allows us to come and pray, and it's him who will continue to intercede for us. Not, we don't do it ourselves. And he will do that every day of this year, every minute of every hour this year for you. But we need to hang on to that confession about him, the truth that God has revealed to us in the Scriptures about who Jesus is, about what he's done. We hang on to that truth and make it the foundation of our life. Hebrews calls it the anchor for the soul, this truth about who Jesus is. And so I want to say to you, please don't let anyone downplay the idea of truth in Christianity. If you hear people talking about how you actually need to begin by having an experience or a feeling, th those things happen. Experiences, feelings happen in our relationship with God. But we start with the truth of who Jesus is and, and the feelings come from that. 
see, if you start with your feelings and try to work your way to God, you see, it's back on you again. You have to see what Jesus has done and hang on to that confession. And that will lead you into a rich, deep spiritual life with God if you hang on to that truth. So friends, brothers and sisters, you are not meant to clean up your life this year as you try to pray to God. You're not meant to look at all the moral things that you've done well and look to that as your grounds for confidence as you pray to God this year. You're not meant to get yourself on a good trajectory by your own willpower and your own effort so that you can feel close to God. We need to hang on to what he's done for us. Christianity is the religion where God comes to us first and he brings us to him. So that's the confession. It's all about Jesus. That is the grounds of our access to God. That's why we can pray, and so we hang on to him. That's point number one. Second thing tonight, last thing tonight, is that we can have bold access now to God, bold access through Jesus. Have a look at verse 16 with me from Hebrews 4. Verse 16. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us at the proper time. One thing I've realized about myself is that periodically, regularly, I keep forgetting who God is. I keep forgetting what his character is like, which is funny because I think about him every day, not just because of the job that I do, but because I'm a Christian. I think about God every day, but I keep distorting or, or losing track of who he is and, and what he's like, and I need to be reminded again. And one of the ways that I forget who God is and what he's like is I keep thinking that he's now a hard taskmaster with me or he's impatient with me or that he is fed up with me or that he's sick of hearing from me or that he doesn't want me to approach him or that he's being harsh with me. I keep thinking those kind of things and I know it because I, I feel a sort of reluctance to come to him. That's not who God has revealed himself to be. Let me prove it to you. Have a look at verse 16, Hebrews 4, verse 16. Don't take it from me. Take it from your Bible. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace. So there is a throne. Yes, God is exalted as the king of this universe. He is the one God who made all people, all people are going to give an account to him. He's the, the judge of all. He's the ruler of all people in this world. And so we can't approach him casually, flippantly, dismissively. But the voice in our heads that tells us that God is impossible to deal with or that he is going to be harsh with you if you come to him, that's not who he is. This is a throne of grace. And the word grace means undeserved favor, undeserved gift. So God gives you an undeserved kindness, gift, mercy, forgiveness, 
from his throne. And his throne is now described as a throne of grace, of continual generosity to undeserving people like you and like me. So tonight, if you're sitting here and if you've got some character flaws, if you've got some ways that you're disobeying God, if you've got ways that uh, you have turned from him in the, in the past or the present, if there's attitude problems in your life, I want to say join the club. All of us are like that. And you have come to the right throne because it's a throne of grace. Now, a lot of people would think to themselves, well, I can't really pray today, I can't go to church, I can't pick up my Bible, I can't go to my connect group, I can't connect with God at the moment because I'm, I've stuffed up, you know, I've done something wrong, I have got this moment that I'm regretting, I got angry at someone, I, I was bitter towards someone, I, I gave into a temptation, you know, I had, had too many drinks at that party. Uh, you might think to yourself, I can't, I can't come and approach God now because of this sin in my life. But remember, it's a throne of grace. Grace, undeserved favor, undeserved gift from the God of the universe to you if you come to him. We have God is a God of grace. We have Jesus, our mediator, standing in there for us with God. And so now we just need to draw near. We need to confidently, boldly come near uh, to God, the one who made all things without shame. Jesus has dealt with every sin, past, present, future, and he is intent on helping you in the present to grow more like him as well. So we don't serve a furor. We serve a father. We don't serve a dangerous dictator. We serve a devoted, divine dad. We've received ultimate grace and mercy from Jesus. But we actually need more and more. You know, this year you're going to need more and more. I'm going to need more and more grace to help us when we face problems, when we face difficulties. We need more gifts from God, more mercy from God so that we can Keep going, keep following Jesus. Keep receiving that forgiveness uh, from him. And all you need to get that, all you need is to be needy yourself, to be needy of that spiritual help, to be needy of forgiveness, mercy, kindness from God. Are you needy for that? I'm needy for that. I remember going on a canyoning trip with some friends of mine and um, up in the Blue Mountains, and uh, all of us were there, several people, and some of us had come without all the equipment required for the canyon. But the guy who was leading the expedition, he opened up his van, and we could see on the wall, you know, wetsuits, bags, shoes, water bottles, headlamps, everything that we needed for the canyon. And he started handing them out to people, giving them what they needed for the the journey ahead. And it's the same with God. If you could look into heaven, so to speak, you could see the gifts that God has that he wants to give to you lined up there. In fact, his arms are full of gifts that he wants to give to you. 
He wants to give you grace and mercy in your time of need. It's a throne of grace. His arms are overflowing with them. You just need to ask him. Some of us have in our heads a constantly critical voice that tells us things about ourselves that, that we're no good. Some of us have been crushed by heresy that tells us that God is harsh with people. And so we don't think God wants to hear from us. Brothers and sisters, that's a lie from the devil. God wants you to come to his throne. And you might say, but I don't deserve it. And you know what God says? That's the point. None of us deserve it. No one's good enough. That is the point. That's why we need to come. He's a glorious father in heaven. We are here on earth. We come with reverence and respect, but we have to come boldly, confidently. That's how he tells us to come to him. So let's keep going to the throne of grace this year, 2024. I'm struck in life that we do the things that we love doing. Uh, I love watching movies. That's easy to do. I love catching up with friends and and family. That's easy to do. I love, um, you know, doing all kinds of things. I love going running. That, that, that's easy to do. We, we do the things that we love doing and we find it quite easy. Why is it that we sometimes struggle to come to the God whose arms are full of gifts to give to us? Why would we struggle to do that? <laughs> He's standing there ready to hear from us. We just need to go to him. As you look through the Bible, you can see the array of gifts that God wants to give to his people. There are so many things all the way through the Bible that he wants to give to you. He's like a a parent ready and willing to give good things to his children. Uh, There's God's compassion and his forgiveness that if you've made mistakes, he wants to forgive you. That's why Jesus died on the cross, so that you might be forgiven. No matter how big or grievous they are, no matter how much they're eating away at you, he came to wipe out your sins. There's the gift of holiness that God wants to give, that he wants to grow the fruit of the Spirit in your love, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. He wants those things to grow in your life. That's why he gave you his Spirit. Would you ask him to keep growing them in you? I love uh, the verse 2 Thessalonians 1.11. Paul's praying for the church. He prays by God's power that he would fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith by his power in us. And it's like Paul's gone. I know there's a lot of things that they want to grow in. So God, would you please just do all of it? He just kind of says, I'm not going to list them all. Please do it all, Lord. There's the gifts God gives of assisting his church in witnessing to Jesus. In Acts chapter 4, you see the church get filled with the Spirit, become bold in their faith. There is um, uh, the words that, uh, that Jesus gives to his people when they're on trial in front of kings and held up. He says, I'll give you words to speak in Luke chapter 12. 2 Corinthians 2, he opens doors for his word to go forward. Uh, Acts chapter 16, he opens up people's hearts to receive the message they're hearing, like Lydia, this lady who just hears the word and she believes. 
God wants to give the gift of daily wisdom to you if you're struggling to know what to do. James chapter 1, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives to all generously. We are in need of all sorts of things and God has a throne of grace and he wants to give them. We just need to ask. You know, I can't think of a single part of life we are meant to do by ourselves. I can't think of any part that we're meant to just go off on our own and and do it. How are we going to grow this year to be more like Jesus? We can't do that. How are we going to progress in our walk with God this year? We can't do that. How are we going to develop spiritual practices this year in the spirit, year of spiritual renewal? We can't do that. How are we going to go deeper this year as a church into the Word, into love of Jesus? How are we going to grow in number and, and, and in love for one another? How are we going to have that kind of love amongst us as a church that honors Jesus the unity of the Spirit and the bonds of peace that Ephesians talks about. How are we going to do that? We can't do that. We need God's help. And so we need to go to the throne of grace and ask for his help because God is very ready to hear the prayers of his children. The question is, are we ready to go to him? Just yesterday, me and my wife were feeling tired. We feel... um, uh, somewhat overwhelmed. We have we have little kids. That life's intense sometimes, and uh, you know, get to the end of the day. And part of the struggle we feel is the mistakes that we make. You know, the ways that we let ourselves, our children, down, our shortcomings. And I've been reading this book on being a parent, and I'm going to read part of it. But it's not just about being a parent. This applies to any part of your Christian life. So if if you're at school, if you're at university, if you're working, if you're married, if you're single, if you're dating, this is true for you, no matter what phase of life you're in. Okay, here's what the book says. Like everything else, God, and this is written by Paul Tripp, by the way, like everything else God calls people to, God doesn't call people to be parents, to be students, to be workers, because they are able. If you read your Bible carefully, you will understand that God doesn't call able people to do important things. Abraham wasn't able. Moses wasn't able. Gideon wasn't able. David wasn't able. The disciples weren't able. And the story goes on. God did not create human beings to be independently able. He designed us to be dependent. God calls unable people to do important things things so that he will get the glory and not them. He isn't working so that your life as a parent, as a student, as a worker, whatever you're doing, would be easy and predictable and free from struggle. He calls you to do the impossible so that in your search for help, you'll find more than help. You will find him. those journalists that got me up into the penthouse offices, they got me there on their credentials. How much more are you brought into heaven, brought into the presence of God, the one who made all things, 
through the Son of God who came to give his life for you. When we see Jesus, when we hang on to the confession of our faith, prayer goes from being a law that's hard to keep to being a lifeline to the God of love. It goes from being a burden to the place where our burdens can fall off our backs. It goes from being not arduous, but being free access to God, all because of Jesus. And there's a song that we sing about this sometimes at church. It goes like this. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands. My name is written on his heart. I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me thence depart. No tongue can bid me thence depart.